Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, everyone, and welcome to the Chosen People Ministries program. We're so glad that you're here, and with me is Bobby Walter, the leader of our ministries in what I call Holy Land West, or the mini Holy Land, Brooklyn, New York. So welcome, Bobby. Yes, thank you, Mitch, and welcome to you, and welcome to all of our listeners. We are uh, very, very happy that you're joining us at this time. And we're going to continue with the portion. We have a free gift for you, and we'll tell you more about that later in the program. But as you well know, Jewish people read through the five books of Moses in the course of a year, and the Jewish people have been doing that for over 5,000 years. And, uh, and so I grew up doing this. And so uh, most Jewish people, if they go to synagogue, are fairly familiar with the five books. But as one ultra-Orthodox rabbi once said to me, oh, I love talking to you. I said, you like me telling you about Jesus? They said, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't mind at all. Because it really helps me study the prophets. Because talking to you is the only time I get to, to talk about the prophets. Hmm. And so it is true that the prophets really do take a backseat to Moses uh, among traditional, very ultra-Orthodox uh, Judaism. Right. And so uh, we're going to continue studying the Torah, and I hope that this will be a bridge for you in discussions with your Jewish friends, where you can talk about the Bible together, something you both know, the five books of Moses, and you can speak to them about uh, God and God's character and talk about sin and judgment and holiness and all of these great themes that we know in one way or another point us to the gospel. And so Bobby's going to be our guide to teach us a little bit about the background, about this bronze serpent yes. that Moses had raised in the wilderness so that we can then apply it to our lives. Sure, sure, yeah. And uh, so th this week's portion uh, is called Chukat, which means ordinances. And uh, it goes from Numbers chapter 19 through chapter 22, verse 1. Unfortunately, the book of Numbers, I think, kind of like Leviticus, gets a bad rep sometimes. But there is a lot of good stuff that takes place in the book of Numbers. And we have a lot of these things that happen. Okay, so we have the ordinance of the red heifer in chapter 19. Chapter 20, Miriam, the sister of Moses, she dies. Also in chapter 20, right after the death of Miriam, we have the waters of Meribah, where Moses rebels against God and uh, strikes the rock rather than speaking to it as he was commanded. And then right after that, we have the death of Aaron. So there's all this upheaval in Israel's uh, community there as they're wandering in the wilderness uh, after they've been brought out of Egypt, brought out of slavery, and as they're on their way into the promised land. And then we come to chapter 21. And they're wandering around, frustrations are running high, emotions are running high, and they begin to complain, complain against Moses and ultimately complain against God, which, you know, I kind of understand. Uh, Mitch, I don't know about you, but I would not want to be just wandering in the wilderness, in the desert for so long. And Bobby, everybody thinks about the heat, but do you know how cold the desert gets at night? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy, I'm telling you, it's a good thing that children of Israel had a pillar of fire maybe warming them up right. a little bit, right? That's right. That's right. 
Yeah. So, I mean, must have been just brutal conditions all around. But God provides for Israel every step of the way. So, in chapter 21, I'm just going to read beginning in verse 4 because this kind of sets the stage for what Mitch mentioned, which is one of the most uh, magnificent and important redemptive analogies that we have. These uh, uh, prophetic pictures in the Old Testament that point ahead to Jesus, our Messiah. So it says, Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this miserable food. So, again, the complaining against God and against Moses. And really, it's, it's a way of, uh, of dishonoring Moses and God. So what happens? Verse 6. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard, and it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. So this is really sort of interesting. It's sort of, uh, you know, mind-boggling even. Like, why would God do this? God could have just, uh, you know, sort of spoken, and then these serpents would have disappeared. Anyone who had been bitten would have been automatically healed. But instead, he wanted to provide some sort of tangible example that the people could have before them so that they could understand how God chooses to heal how God chooses to deliver us from the bites of these fiery serpents. And what he provides is basically that serpent put onto a standard, some sort of pole. Uh, it may have been shaped like a large cross, honestly, if it was fashioned and, and shaped in a certain way to actually stay on this standard. Uh, and then the people had to look. All That's all they had to do. They had to simply look to the bronze serpent that was on this standard, and they would have been set free. They would have been healed. The poison would not damage them, would not kill them. Right. Unfortunately, we so often take something that is a good symbol, one that brings healing, and we turn it into something that is bad. For example, you know, the interesting symbol of the American Medical Association mm -hmm. is the serpent wrapped around the staff, you know? Right. right. And I see modern medicine as part of an act of God's grace, you know? Mm -hmm. But you should never worship what God brings about to heal you. It's why Jesus healed in so many different ways, I believe. Sometimes mm -hmm. he put mud on the mm -hmm. eyes of, of someone. Sometimes they touched his garment. Sometimes he declared, be healed, right. or come forth, Lazarus. I mean, Jesus never healed the same way because he wanted to focus on the healer rather than the methodology of being healed. Correct. But of course, the children of Israel and mankind, we often get confused between the method and the person. And we run and flee from God, but we're a worshiping group of people. And so we tend to worship uh, what God intends to use for good, but then we forget the one behind the symbol or behind the good. And so 
Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old in 2 Kings uh, chapter 18. And he did right in the sight of the Lord. Uh, and in verse 4, we read that he removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah. And here's what's a very mysterious little passage. He also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it, and it was called Nehushtan. Um, and so they actually gave it a name, the name, mm -hmm. of, really, it was a, the name of a god. And so we sometimes replace God with the means of his grace. Right. We're not to worship the doctor, or we're not to worship modern medicine, we're not to worship science, because there is a God behind it all who created the order that could be studied. And so make sure we have our hearts in the right places. Exactly, exactly. So what would you say is the, the proper way for us to understand what God was doing here with the bronze serpent in Numbers 21? And how does it point to Jesus? How does it connect to the Lord? Well, fortunately, in this instance, we have the direct words of Jesus. So <laughs> it's a lot easier to figure out what it is. This is a type. It is an image that points to a greater uh, reality. And that greater reality is in John chapter 3, verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have everlasting life. And so it's not the symbol. It's the God behind the symbol. It's the Messiah that the symbol pointed to, mm. where we need to put our trust and not only find physical healing, but spiritual healing. And just like the fierce poisonous bite of a serpent can be countered uh, by grace and by love and by mercy. By embracing Jesus, we are embracing God's means of healing us. But it's more, by embracing Jesus, we're embracing the Father. At Chosen People Ministries, our desire is to share the good news of Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, with Jewish people in ways that are challenging, creative, and compelling. We can only accomplish this mission with the partnership, prayers, and financial support of listeners like you, who have the desire and passion to reach out to Jewish people all over the country and enrich their lives with a message of hope and salvation. If that's you, please connect with us online. You'll find us at chosenpeople.com radio, or you can connect with us through the mail or over the phone. For those details and more, visit chosenpeople.com radio. Your partnership helps us continue the mission we started over 127 years ago. And for that, we say thank you. And we look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. You may recognize Jonathan Burness from Jewish Voice Ministries, but before he became a well-known messianic leader around the world, he was into going to concerts and doing all kinds of drugs. But then God put someone in his path who pointed him to Yeshua, to Jesus, our Messiah, and now he lives his life the way that he was meant to live it. Jonathan's a wonderful brother, and if you don't know Jewish Voice, it's a terrific ministry. Uh, I just went to Poland a few months ago with Jonathan to look over some of the uh, challenges that Ukrainians were facing uh, at that time. And uh, certainly Jonathan and Jewish Voice does a lot. And uh, 
Chosen People loves to partner with this ministry, and I know that you're going to uh, really appreciate Jonathan's testimony. There's a 2,000-year legacy of anti-Semitism and hatred in the name of Christ and Christianity that I think every Jew that's brought up with any sense of identity hears about. We're Jews, they're Christians, and they blame us for killing their God, Jesus Christ. When my grandfather died, I was six or seven years old, and it was a very hush-hush thing. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Uh, what happens after you die? I, we, we, don't, we weren't even allowed to go to the funeral. And I remember asking my teacher in synagogue, what happens after we die? And she didn't really know. She said, go see the rabbi. So I met with the rabbi. And I remember him telling me the story about a man climbing up a mountain and he's only seeing the trees and he's journeying up the mountain and never sees what's over the other side because he's climbing the mountain. But God, who is at the top of the mountain, sees over the other side of the mountain. And that was my rabbi's answer. The rabbi had no more idea than I did what happens after you die. He didn't know. I went on to uh, university and those two driving issues remained in my mind. Why am I here? I'm here for a purpose. And what's going to happen to me after I die? I got involved in drugs and rock and roll. I started to go to Grateful Dead concerts and doing drugs. And that was, I guess, sort of a hobby for me. But there was something spiritual about that experience, the drugs and the music. And I knew very clearly from my drug experiences that there's more to this life than just what we, we see. There's, a, there's a, a world beyond this world. So through uh, college, I'm exploring, I'm involved in these cults and the occult, and I'm searching for God. A friend of mine had really gotten heavily involved in drugs, and I saw her lose interest in classes. She stopped attending classes. She disappeared from my life. She really looked like she was dying from using drugs. She was suicidal. She was considering taking her life until one day I was walking on campus and I bumped into her and her name was Susie. I said, Susie, what happened to you? Because she was smiling, she was vibrant, she looked terrific. And she began to tell me that something profound happened. She had wandered into a pool hall and the owner of the hall had just become a Christian and he witnessed her and he told her about Jesus and she had prayed with him to accept Jesus and now she was born again. Her life had completely been transformed. And I said to her, I'm really happy for you, Susie. That's great. Uh, it's not for me, but if it makes you happy, that's great. And then she invited me to a Bible study and I wanted to say no, but somehow out of my mouth I said yes. And it was pouring rain and I had a motorcycle. And I thought, I have a good excuse not to go to this Bible study. But I remember getting on the back of the motorcycle and driving through the pouring rain to this Bible study that I didn't want to go to. And I remember walking into the study, I was soaking wet, my clothes were soaked. But from the time that the Bible study started, and I don't even remember what was taught, it was the book of Revelation and how the world's coming to an end. 
But I just thought, I want to get out of here. But I couldn't because my clothes were in the dryer. So I was a captive audience. And at the end of the Bible study, the teacher uh, invited me to go upstairs and talk with him. He gave me a Bible and he began to take me through these scriptures in my own Jewish Bible to begin with. And then in the New Testament about sin and separation from God. I had never read the Bible before other than preparation for my bar mitzvah. We Jews are supposed to be the people of the book, but most Jewish people have never even read the scriptures uh, that, that we claim to be our own. And as he showed me verses about my sin and separation from God, like all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, our righteousness is as filthy rags. I just felt the, 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 the weight of my sin. I, I was hot, the room was bright. I felt the presence of what I knew to be God himself. And so I prayed this prayer with him, and as soon as I prayed, uh, the room went back to normal temperature, the lights went back to normal, the sofa that felt like it was holding me in place released me, the Bible shrunk back to a normal size, my clothes were presented to me dry, I changed and I raced home and tried to forget this experience, but something changed in my heart that night. And I had a desire for the first time to read the Bible. I had never read the Bible before. Uh, I claimed to believe the Bible, but I didn't really know what the Bible said other than the stories that I had learned growing up. And I just devoured the Bible. And I began with the book of Matthew. I had never read the New Testament. I was taught that the New Testament was the Christian Bible. The only connection that it had with my heritage as a Jew was that it was anti-Semitic. And much of Judaism, as we wandered through Europe uh, and other nations, was an effort to survive in what became a Christian world. Christianity was defined by its hatred of the Jewish people and blaming the Jewish people for almost 2,000 years now. So for a Jew to consider Jesus, there's really a, a, a terrible history to overcome. But I really felt this pull to read the New Testament. And I began in Matthew chapter 1. Right in the beginning, it listed the genealogy of Jesus. Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of David. And that just jumped out at me. And I, I, I immediately was, it was shocking. What is Abraham and David, two of the greatest men in our history, doing in the Christian Bible. I discovered things that were completely different than I had been taught growing up. I discovered that Jesus was Jewish, that he had a given name, a Hebrew name, Yeshua, which means salvation, because he will save his people from their sins. I discovered that he was born in Israel of Jewish parents. I thought he grew up in Rome, in the Vatican. All of the first followers of Yeshua were all Jews, and none of them converted to another religion. They didn't convert to Christianity. There was no Christianity. No, they were Jewish men and women who had found their promised Messiah from their own scriptures, the Tanakh. And that changed my life. I began to find the answers that I had been looking for in my own scriptures in the Tanakh.
I discovered that God had a purpose for my life, and that purpose was to know him, to walk with him, to serve him. I discovered that there is a, a life after this life. I knew almost immediately that God was calling me, that he had a a destiny for my life to serve him full time. I ended up moving to Russia after uh, leading a Messianic congregation from a number of years in upstate New York, and then uh, began to work in Ethiopia, in Zimbabwe, throughout Africa. And for the last number of years, uh, we've been providing medical clinics where we provide dental care, eye care, medicines, even surgeries, uh, free of charge. We just do it to serve and to let people know that God loves them. And my brother was a photographer. That's one of the things that he did. And I was able to bring him to Ethiopia as our photographer to one of our medical clinics. And he experienced in that clinic the presence of God as lives were being changed he was photographing everything, and he saw people not only being cared for, but he saw people being changed by the love of God. And I watched him. I had the joy of watching him uh, go through the same experience I did uh, as he received Jesus, Yeshua, into his life and uh, was completely transformed. He passed away from cancer fairly recently, but I know where he is today and I'll, I'll be seeing him again. This is my destiny. This is my heritage. This Yeshua is my Messiah promised in my own scriptures. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then please let me encourage you to stop by our website. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Bobby, I'd like to take a moment to say thank you to our fellow listeners for joining with us in prayer. We're busier than ever this year with our various outreach and discipleship programs, Foundations 22, which is a program where we're reemphasizing personal evangelism, personal discipleship, and training. And so I wanted to take a moment and ask if you would prayerfully consider making a gift towards Jewish evangelism today. We use every donation we receive to bring the gospel to Jewish people all around the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that is what Chosen People stands for. That's what we do all over the globe. We're bringing the message of Jesus the Messiah the one who can cure us from the poisonous bites of sin that we get. Jesus is the healer that was lifted up on the cross, and God can heal us through him. And we're bringing this message all over to traveling Israelis, to people online, ministering to Holocaust survivors. Chosen people is ready to serve, to lift up the one who was lifted up, Jesus the Messiah. You can connect with us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Again, that's chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or you can call us at 888-2-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A. That's Hebrew for Jesus. It's 888-293-7482, 888-2-YESHUA. We'll send you a free copy of our 52-week devotional called The Portion. 
and also a portion bookmark to help you stay in tune and on track with the weekly readings. And you can also request the portion by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. And right now, we'll wrap up today's message with the Aaronic Benediction. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach. Sar Shalom. In the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.